What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. I keep saying it, the amazing episodes just keep coming. DEI is one of the most prominent HR themes here in 2023, and organizations are wrestling with how to balance DEI initiatives with tactical day-to-day operations. There are voices in this conversation that need to be elevated, and boy, do we have one of those voices here with us today. We are so grateful and just flat out honored to have Bookie Masaku on the program. If you don't know Bookie, no worries. Today's your lucky day. He's the founder and CEO of Diverse City, a workplace bias and DEI consultancy. He is one of the world's foremost bias navigation experts. He has cracked the code for calling out unconscious workplace bias and stopping it in its tracks. He's a consultant, speaker, coach, and the author of I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. Bookie joined us from London, and because we do the show live, he stayed up until after midnight to have this awesome conversation. We had a few issues with his transatlantic video. It resolves about 20 minutes in, but the audio is on point throughout. This conversation was quite literally my favorite of 2023 so far. And I think you're really going to dig it. So buckle up, TC Beers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with Bookie Misaku on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender, where we gather some of the best HR and people leaders to discuss what's happening on the people side of business. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. All right. I'm trying to navigate things here in my hotel room makeshift (laughs) studio. I'm learning as we go. You know, you get used to the giant 36-inch screen and the other screen. And when you go to operating off of 14 inches, you're like, wow, this is, how do people do it? I know. Mm. First world problem. (laughs) All right. Welcome, everybody. It is your favorite day and mine. It's Wednesday. It's Corporate Bartender Day. It is the 13th of September, 2023, and the 179th time that we have convened this group of awesome people. (laughs) Yeah, celebrate that. We're going to have to do something special for show number 200. Um, This is going to be a good show today. We've got a guest He's the guy you don't recognize in the pictures. It's Buki Misaku. He is an author, and we're going to talk about his work in DE&I here in just a little bit. But before we get into that, I'm doing it until October 18th, and then I promise I'll stop. I'll keep asking because I am a pain in your backside. If you do not have your copy of You, Me, We, buy one, or just let me know. I'll send you one. I'll send you a book. I'll send you an audio. Just write me a review because we got to get to 100 reviews on Amazon when special things happen. But I won't ask anymore in just a few weeks. <laughs> We've got some guests upcoming. Like, okay, we're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Tony Martinetti on October 4th. He's the author of Climbing the Right Mountain, Navigating the Journey to an Inspired Life. That should be a fun one. We have got, uh, we have got, I, I can't even see my screen here. We've 
got Shelly Phillips on October 18th. She's the author of Culture Secrets, Secrets Leaders Use to Build a Value Culture. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Julian Miravelle on November 1st. And I did find out that we're actually getting both authors, Julian Miravelle and Alexander Lyon or Leon. I'm not quite sure. That's November 1st. They are the authors of Positive Communication for Leaders, Proven Strategies for Inspiring Unity and Affecting Change. So we got guests aplenty. We've got a lot of things upcoming. Good stuff coming all the time. You never know who's going to be here. We have one coming up that I'm really excited about. This guy, Neil Rogers, capitalize that R, Eric. That's sloppy control of quality. <laughs> Neil Rogers on November 15th. He's the author of Bar Tips, everything I needed to know in sales I learned behind the bar. We've got a legit bartender here on the corporate bartender. So I'm pretty excited about that. But that happens later. Right now, we're going to get into our conversation with Bookie Masaku. Here he comes. Let's welcome him in with the good TCB welcome, shall we? <laughs> right? Bookie, welcome Ooh. to the show. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Excellent. To be here. You guys will notice that uh, Mr. Misaku has an accent. He is not from around here. He is based in the UK, and it is currently 11.09 p.m. in the UK. So he is burning the midnight oil and staying up late for us bartender folks today. So thank you for doing that. That is awesome. Um, so before we get into to your topic... I always ask people to tell us a little bit about their origin story because I don't imagine when you were a wee lad, you thought, hey, when I grow up, I'm going to be an expert on bias in the workplace. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get here? How did you find yourself in the job that you have today? That's really interesting. You know, um, I'm, uh, I, I'm actually from a, a, a mixed family in terms of uh, religion and uh, you know, my mother's a, a Catholic, was a Catholic. My father is a Muslim. Uh, you know, I was raised as a Catholic in the UK, you know, and um, yeah. And uh, my formative years were spent all in, in the UK, traveling every year on holiday to West Africa, to Nigeria. And um, yeah, when I find that's whilst I was under my parents' roo uh, roof and then Cut a long story short, you know, after university and all of that kind of stuff, I got, I, I, I ended up in consulting and I consulted with uh, organizations throughout the world. And um, this uh, exposed me to uh, uh, um, different kind of DEI type in, in, uh, initiatives. Um, and uh, I started my own business uh on that journey. And, um, as a result of that, I, I, I ended up, um, well, I, I, you know, I was a sole practitioner and I, I, I experienced, I guess, racial bias towards me, you know, mm. um, or sorry, I experienced racial bias. Right. And when I say that people think it's just solely towards me, but my own racial bias, right. And I'll explain how that worked my own racial bias to the majority. And um, whenever I was on the receiving end of what I perceived was racial bias, 
I always used to find myself saying, I really don't understand how people could be so insensitive. I really just don't understand how someone could be so nice and then wicked at the same time. I really mm. don't understand the injustice of this behavior. And I find myself always saying, I don't understand. <laughs> so that I don't understand, right? But I was calling it in, not calling it out. That mm. I don't understand and my misunderstand, and sometimes I misinterpret people's behavior to me as driven by bias. Uh, those two misunderstandings led to uh, uh, me trying to work out a way in which, instead of calling it inward, if I could call it out. Mm -hmm. And that led to me writing a book I don't understand. So writing a book, not an easy endeavor. Uh, you know, having just gone through that myself, I understand. Um, so you got to, it's a long project and you got to stick it, stick to it Big and time. hang in there. <laughs> so yeah, you decided to write this book and it's called, I don't understand. Um, one of the things I loved mm -hmm. in your materials, it said you cracked the code on unconscious bias. What does that mean? Yeah. So look, you know, um, we, um a lot has been spoken about unconscious bias and, uh, you know, and basically it's, uh, uh, there are different types of unconscious bias, but the bias I'm talking about is career stifling unconscious bias, right? Or uh, workplace bias or business bias that you sense, you perceive in the pursuit of business, right? And, um, what I found when you look at the, I would say 99.9999999999% of organizations and business schools that look to address unconscious bias come from one perspective. They come from a seeing it as a one-way street, what I describe as a unidirectional, mm -hmm. have a unidirectional view of unconscious bias. But my experience and my observations and my research show that unconscious bias, that is, career stifling behaviors driven by conditioned, negative conditioned views about particular groups is actually a two-way street. So there, are, you know, it's a two-way street. And if you don't look at it as a two-way street, you can never really address it. So that's what I found out in my, in, in the, you know, in, in, in writing my book and uh, based on my experiences, there are basically two forms of bias. There's what I describe as directional bias, which is mm. the one that we all know about which is towards okay. you based on your, you know, your race and ethnicity, your gender, your um, age, your uh, socioeconomic background, sexual orientation. That's directional bias. That's the one that we all know about, right? But there's right. also reverse bias. What is that? Reverse bias. Yeah, reverse bias is when I, for example, I'll use myself here, as a minority, misinterpret unfavorable decisions towards me as driven by unconscious bias. That's actually my bias, mm. right? That's actually my bias because what's that misinterpretation based on? Well, it's based on my past experience. It's based on hearsay in my community. Um, it's based on a wider narrative about the majority, right? Um, whoever that majority is, but in my case, it would be the white majority. And so that is a conditioned view, which is what our unconscious bias is. So there are two forms of bias. There's directional bias and there's reverse bias. And unless you understand that bias, in that case, is multidirectional, it becomes very difficult for you to navigate. Because when you sense bias, that's exactly what you're doing, sensing it. There's room for misinterpretation. But if you don't allow for the misinterpretation, then how could you possibly 
navigate it. What you end up doing mm. is accusing or having an accusatory, accusatory approach, and that stops you from navigating. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, can you give us an example of, of a reverse reverse bias situation that you've encountered in your research? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, just um, that's easy because I just look at myself. So I'll give you an example. Right? I'll, give, I'll give you a story. I told this story earlier Perfect. today. So years ago, right? I, I, years ago, when I was starting my, my, my first consultancy, I went for a piece of business, right? And this was a sales training consultancy. So I got a meeting, a cold call. I got a meeting with um, the, the, the chief global revenue officer of a Fortune 500 company. So I'm thinking, wow, this is what I got into business for, right? This is great. So I get a meeting with him and um, I go and see him. And he's a white gentleman. His name's Mark. We have a great meeting. It's amazing. I'm asking him about his business. He's telling me about his business. We're batting around ideas. It's amazing, right? And like it's eight o'clock in the morning and people are thinking, I won't want some of what these guys are on. You know, they're walking past the singers getting excited. <laughs> she says, Bookie, Bookie, I love you. I love what you're doing. Come and do a presentation for me and my team, right? You, your timing is impeccable. They're, my global team are here next week. Come and do a presentation and a proposal. I said, yeah, I'm on it. I'm thinking, this is great. I'm in there, like swimwear. So anyway, I, I go, <laughs> right? So, so, so I come back the next week, right? And um, it's very early in the morning. So the, the woman on the rece- lady on the reception calls up and Mark's secretary is in there. He actually comes down. So I'm like, morning, Mark. Hi, how are you doing? And Mark's like really cold. Mm. I mean, he was like freezing. He's ice. Right. Oof. And so I'm thinking, what's what's up with Mark? It's just, you know, is this the same guy that was almost high-fiving me last time I was here? So I'm like, well, the real Mark, please stand up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he takes me up to his office, right? He takes me up to the boardroom, right? Where the rest of his team are. And if he was cold in the lobby, he's freezing. I mean, really, really, Oof. really cold, you know? Sub-zero when he introduces me to his team. So he's like, go on, present. Anyway. In my mind, I thought, oh, here we go again. Another white, middle-class, heterosexual male who's um, mm. embarrassed about putting me forward for a high-profile role, right? Oh, boy. Uh, because it was a very high-profile, right? High-profile job, right? So and I thought, anyway, that's just what a black guy has to deal with in corporate West, you know, uh, to just suck it up and deal with it. So I do a really positive presentation, right? And I get in there, and I'm really excited. I do it to his team. And then I leave and I think that's going nowhere. And I forget about it. And I thought, well, forget them. Two weeks later, I get a call. It's Mark. He says, Bookie, how are you? I'm thinking to myself, what do you care? Loud, Mark, right? <laughs> yeah, what do you care? Why don't you just send me the commiseration? Why do you have to call me up to put salt in my game? You know, to rub the salt in the wounds. Anyway, he says, yeah, how did you think it went? And I said, well, I'm, well, I, I, I always enjoy these things. You tell me how it went. So he said, <laughs> nice. um, yeah, he said, my team loved you. They love you. They want <laughs> yeah, they want to do everything you said. He said, we want to start like yesterday. He said, can you, it, it was Monday. He said, can you get here on Wednesday? Wow. Said, send me your, send me your first invoice. Um, you know, right. I'll get it paid today. FYI, nobody says that, right? No. <laughs> I, I, said, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I can said, vouch. Nobody says that. <laughs> I said, never mind Wednesday. I'm there already. I, I'll apologize to the family later. Right? Yeah, I'm there, right? So anyway, cut long story short, we got the deal. It was amazing, right? And we, we went on to do more business. Now, there's a lesson in all of this. Based on what you've heard, who was biased there, him or me? I'm going to guess you. Yeah, you. I, I was. I, 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 I was fired, right? Um, but um, so, what was know, up with Mark? What happened to him that day? Yeah. So, look. Actually, it tra- it conspired. It it transpired, right? That the this is gets even worse or better, right? Mark said it transpired that the reason why Mark was cold and ice is because we had a great relationship. And he didn't want to influence his team oh. positively. He didn't want them to be biased towards me positively. He wanted oh. them to come to their own conclusion, right? Yeah. Which was that I was the man, right? Which was he cheered done, right? So, but I uh, drew on what I described, what I thought was my past experiences and stuff and misinterpreted mm. that situation. And that mm. became my bias. Now, so that's the first moral of the story is there two forms of bias, directional and reverse, right? That's an example of reverse bias. You asked me for an example. That's the first moral of the story. But there's more, right? Let's say Mark and his team didn't give me the business. I know okay. maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe I wasn't good enough. I mean, I know that's hard for you to, to imagine. I, mean, I don't to, believe it. Let's just, I don't believe it. Let, 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 let's just pretend, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? I wasn't good enough, right? Um, what do you think I would have done? Well, I wouldn't have said anything to Mark. But what I would have done, I would have gone and told someone about, about what had happened. Of and course. guess what the other people would have looked like that I would have told? What do you think they would have looked like? Like you? Exactly, right? When, that, when they would have probably said, oh, yeah, that's happened to me before, which would have reinforced right. the bias about the majority, right? And now you got confirmation bias, right? Now you've got confirmation bias. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Because sometimes when you exhibit reverse bias, other people feel it. It's palpable. So mm-hmm. Mark could have felt my bias, but he, mm-hmm. he doesn't tell me, mm-hmm. right? Guess what he does? At worst, at best, he doesn't say anything and he keeps it in, which creates this kind of tension for him. But more often than not, maybe later on, three weeks, four weeks, a month later, he has a conversation with someone. And he'll say, uh, and then he'll say something like, yeah, look, you know, I'm really sympathetic to the equality cause, but sometimes these minorities misinterpret, um, uh, you know, things as uh, unconscious discrimination when there's nothing there. And then the person will say, yeah, that's happened to me too, which then reinforces the bias about minorities having chips on their shoulders and never Mm. the twain shall meet. And this is exactly where we live at the moment. You see, people in organizations sense bias towards them. They never say anything, right? And so the other people pick up that reverse bias. They never say, if it's reverse bias, they never say anything either. But what they all do is talk to the wrong people. Instead of talking to the person they should talk to, they go and talk to other people, which reinforces the bias, which gives the impression that there's more bias out there than there actually is. So we need to equip people with skills to call out bias so that this doesn't happen. Does that make sense? And that's what my book is all about. I don't understand navigating unconscious bias in the workplace. I wish I had my applause button right now, Bookie. I'd be applauding you all over the place. (laughs) I I, I just love everything that you've said. Go ahead, Laurie. I know you have a question. Yeah, so so I love that, that... This illumination of human nature, right? In the absence of complete information, we make things up. And it's usually, what, Eric, personal and negative. And negative. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. 
Right. And so not, not just around this, this idea of, you know, categories of people and how they're treated, but just any relationship Mm. kind of thing, any, any kind of right people interacting. And so, you know, this idea of curiosity before judgment is, is so Mm. hard for people to, to live in, right? Because we're judgment making machines as humans. It just happens. You make judgment. You get some input and a judgment comes out and to pause and say, well, wait, I'm curious. Right. And go from that place versus the judgment place. But this is such a socially important application of that, that I think is not illuminated much. No, no. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's a big problem. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very big problem. You know, there's a, you know, underrepresentation in the United States is crazy. Like the Fortune 500, right, has um, mm-hmm. 53 female CEOs, right? That's ridiculous. You know, in the world country, that 50.5% of the population is women, right? Yet in the Fortune 500, there's only 53 mm-hmm. uh, 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 females, right? There are only seven black CEOs. I don't know how many um, openly disabled uh, CEOs there are in the, FTSE, uh, the Fortune 500, right? We've got a, an, a, a representation a, a epidemic, right? But the way that the organizations deal with this, right, is that they um, look to um, address this problem through things like unconscious bias training, you know, trying to deal with the unconscious bias that leads to the lack of representation. But the problem is that people come from a unidirectional perspective. They say, think it's a one-way street. And when you come from a one-way street perspective, you subscribe to what I describe as a guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model. And the guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model says that there are these people who look a certain way, walk and talk a certain way, they are the guilty perpetrator, right? And there are these people who look a certain way and walk and talk a certain way, they are the hapless victim, right? And so in order for things to get better, the guilt, the traditional guilty perpetrator has to correct themselves, has to cleanse mm. themselves of this original sin of bias towards mm. these minorities. Well, all that does is, is uh, guilt the majority, right? Uh, leaves them in a perpetual state of correction, self-correction, but mm. uh, it also paints the minority as a hapless victim yeah. who is reliant on somebody else to change and somebody else's empathy and goodwill in order for them to be better. And it actually excludes the minority, right? right. From, from the process. So it's actually an exclusive process. So what I'm saying is that we need to have an inclusive process. And an inclusive process is having a collaborative approach to addressing bias. And the first step in that is accepting its multidirectional nature. What that means, it doesn't mean that, you know, there are certain parts of our community that have been on the wrong end of bias, sure. more so than anybody else. Of course. But bias is multidirectional. If I misinterpret bias from you, you're my boss, right? If I misinterpret it, that becomes my bias because it's based on my conditioning. So in order to navigate it, right, I need to have a toolkit which allows for that misinterpretation. And the toolkit that allows for that misinterpretation is what I describe as my IDU methodology, which is telling the person that you don't understand. 
It's the purest. It's the most unscathed place you can come from. And when IDU. you say I don't understand. I don't understand. IDU. I like yeah. it. That's very smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, ha- but so that's the first step. That's how you call it out, right? You you just that's you how you call it out. Yeah. You put it on yourself. I don't understand. Yeah, just tell them you don't understand. So look, if you if you if you said so, for example, if you think you should have been shortlisted for a senior role, and you think it's because of your difference, whatever that difference is, right? Um, focus on the issue at hand, right? So what you want to do is ask an IDU type question. So you want to say, I'm just just for my own development, which is an IDU type question. What was the criteria for that role? Mm. It's non-accusative, right? It's um, it's pure. It's yeah. developmental. And guess what? When you say I don't understand or ask an I don't understand type question, you invoke our natural instinct to give direction. That is, the person will say one of two things. What don't you understand? Right? And now you answer. Now you're into an, a bias type question, uh, conversation where you can you know, illuminate the bias. Or the person will say to you, let me explain to you. Again, mm-hmm. that puts you back into that conversation. And if they, if they say let me explain to you and it doesn't make sense, just tell them, I don't understand. And then, you know, and you'll keep doing that until you do understand. And then what you'll find is that the bias will call itself out. But here's mm. the rub, right? The bias towards you will call itself out or your reverse bias will call Ooh. itself out. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, then you can work to, mm-hmm. yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say, but Bookie, we have sense. a lot of baggage associated with this topic. And how do you get yourself into that mindset where asking the IDU question is something that you can be super comfortable with? I loved your setup there for my own development, right? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Yes. How do you, how do you help people sort of disengage from all of the noise in their heads that they've been toting around for years about this? You know, like, uh, am I allowed to talk about this? Are we okay to have this conversation? Like, how do you put those bags down? So this is a great you. You're just on the money, right? I gotta go. I just gotta. I just gotta pat you on the back. Not because you patted me on the back, because genuinely you are on the money, right? So, like, right? so like, I'm gonna. I, I'll give you the edited highlights version, right? But you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? There are kind of like four steps to this IDU methodology, right? And um, the first step is. Um, Leave your baggage or leave your luggage. Do you guys say luggage in the States? Do you say luggage? We say baggage luggage? when we're talking about shit like this. All right. <laughs> All right. Leave your, okay. leave your baggage in the lobby. Leave it at the door, right? Mm-hmm. So when you send spice, you've got to leave it at the door. You know, baggage that you have every right to, to, to carry. It could be, you know, minority sexual orientation baggage. It could be gender bias baggage. It could be racial bias baggage. It could be age bias, whatever baggage. You got to drop it. You can pick it up on the way out, but you got to drop it. And the reason there are many reasons why you have to drop it, right? Many reasons why you have to drop it, right? But the, in, as far as our process is concerned, the main reason why you have to drop it is that it's the only way that you can get to step two. So the question then becomes, well, what is step two? So step two is give the person the benefit of the, or persons the benefit of the doubt. Here give them the benefit, even if. Yeah, just give them the benefit. Even if you're 100% sure that you're the victim of bias, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Give them the benefit of the doubt. But here's the here's the rub. Here's the difficult bit, right? You give them the benefit of the doubt, but you call them out anyway. You mm-hmm. give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh. So step one is leave the baggage in the lobby, right? 
or leave the light. Yeah, leave the baggage at the door. Step two is give them the benefit of the doubt, but call them out anyway. So the question then becomes, well, how do you give them, how could you, when I do workshops, people say to me, well, how could you possibly give someone the benefit of the doubt, but call them out at the same time? And the way to do that, the only way that I know that you can do that is to simply say, I don't understand. That's the third step. You want to engage, we call this dispassionate developmental inquiry. No. Just tell them you don't understand. <laughs> say that that's phrase it. one more time. <laughs> that's fantastic, that phrase. Yeah, dispassionate developmental inquiry, right? DDE, DDE, dispassionate developmental inquiry. Tell them you don't understand. And that will invoke their natural instinct to give direction. The minute, the and, and by the way, you want to turn that I don't understand into a question. Do you want to say, I don't understand like that? And they'll say, well, what don't you understand? Now you're into the conversation. And the key then is to just focus on the issue at hand. Don't mm -hmm. focus on bias. Don't right. focus on racial bias, gender bias, and all the other biases. Don't bring 400 years of slavery to the table. Don't mm -hmm. bring the suffragette movement to the table. Don't bring the fact that there's X amount of millions of dis disabled people who should be employed in senior roles but aren't. Don't bring that to the table. Right, just focus on the issue at hand. So, if the issue at hand is a project that you, a glamorous project that you went on, just ask them what was the criteria for the project, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're into an IDU kind of conversation. Is this making we, sense, guys? It's a totally different conversation. I mean, I think about your story with Mark. Had you brought yeah. all that baggage to a conversation with mm -hmm. Mark, how would that have ended? Oh. Exactly, go on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I love it. I, I love the leave the baggage, leave the baggage in the lobby. You can pick it up on your way out. Love that. Yeah. Give the benefit yeah. of the doubt. And Ruby said in the chat, benefit of the doubt helps take away emotion before that call. Exactly. De-escalating exactly. yourself. Right. And then love calling it, it out right. anyway in a dispassionate developmental inquiry development. sort of way. <laughs> <was> very good. <laughs> so yeah. you, you've got to, as the person that's taking this step, right? Those are three active things that, that you have to do as the person initiating yeah. this conversation. So you do that yeah. and then and then you yeah. listen. So yeah, but there's a fourth step. Okay, what's the step four? All right, it's a step four, right? But by the way, I should say once you engage in dispassionate developmental inquiry, and I think I, I intimated this, but it's worth just reiterating it, right? Once you engage in dispassionate developmental inquiry, one of four things is going to happen, right? The bias will, well, first of all, the bias will call itself out. So you don't have to say, you gave the job to her, you didn't give it to me because of X, Y, and Z. It will actually call itself out, right? Um, but it could be their bias towards you, or it could be your reverse bias towards them, right? It really depends, right? And but that only comes out if you engage in dispassionate developmental inquiry. So either the bias towards you will come out, right? Mm -hmm. In which case, I'll tell you what you can do when that comes out. Or the, or the bias towards them will come out. Or something that you weren't privy to, which is totally fair, comes out. Or okay. something that you or the other person didn't think about. So, for example, let's say there's a role, right, which requires Spanish. Now, I speak Spanish, but nobody knows I speak Spanish. And I didn't know about the role. I didn't know the role required Spanish. So that I just wasn't shortlisted. That's just stuff happens in life. That's got nothing to do with bias, right? But neither of us would find that out unless we had this kind of conversation. 
So anyway, so that's what comes out when you engage in dispassionate developmental inquiry. So the fourth step is once this has unearthed itself, the bias, either yours or theirs, has unearthed itself, you can then collaboratively agree next steps with the person on the basis that most people aren't there to conspire to hold you back, right? Right. So in most cases, if the bias calls itself out, the person you're strategically and advantageously positioned to collaborate with the person and address the problem. And we call this seeking worthy recompense. They will help you because they, they can see that you've lost out. Yeah. Mm. So that's the fourth step. That's Man, we've got three really good like phrases from today. <laughs> the IDU question. <laughs> Dispassionate <laughs> developmental inquiry and seeking worthy recompense. Worthy those are recompense. those are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so, I love yeah. that this 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 approach for mm. the person engaging, right, starting this initiation. It puts you in yeah. a mindset of, to your point, talk, talking about the issue, not the four hundred years of history that created. Yeah baggage that you're rightfully carrying around right so you get really focused on on the situation at hand and mm. escalates any emotion you have that's the only way to engage with somebody and prevent defensiveness or excuses exactly. or reflection right because if i come at it with you son of a right what, <laughs> what am i expecting <laughs> to get back there right like exactly right? yeah yeah, yeah. it's so interesting. I, there's the book, you know, if we took it from it about it from a racial perspective, there's a book by I don't know if you heard about it, but you know, in America called uh, White Fragility. Have you heard of that book? You, you oh yeah, we all read that book. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm going to try and stay professional here. It's hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, not on this right. show. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's total nonsense. It doesn't even make sense. What does white fragility mean? So, people get annoyed when you say bad things about them, you know, whether it's right or wrong, people get annoyed. Well, you know, no shit, Sherlock. I get annoyed when you say bad <laughs> things about me. What do you call that? Black fragility? You know, I, I, it's ridiculous. Human fragility? <laughs> yeah, what do you want to say? Hands up, you got me, you're good. I mean, what do you want them to say? You know what I mean? I really, it's really bad because it's, um, it's that author and that mentality is one of the biggest exponents of this, uh, a uh, guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model. Mm. It's ridiculous. And actually what it does, it demeans the minority and it demonizes the majority. And the only people that benefit from that type of rhetoric, methodology, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, feces, I'd probably call it feces, <laughs> but never mind, right? Um, right? The only people that benefit from that are speakers, authors, and consultants. Now I know I'm all three, right? <laughs> but I'm I'm coming from a solution-oriented perspective as opposed to a wallowing the problem like pigs in mud perspective, which I think that kind of does. Mm. Interesting. I don't like to knock authors, but you know, mm -hmm. being one yeah. myself, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I get it. I have a, I have a I, question. So I, sorry, Eric. To no, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Um. Yeah. So in your travels and talks with people around mm. this topic do you do you get pushback from mm. the underrepresented minority of whatever category yeah. you want to throw into around mm. 
it's, it's, it's not my job to educate other mm. people about their impact. Mm. If they had a unthinking moment or they weren't considering mm. a perspective of, of somebody else. Right. Because mm. I, I, I feel sensitive to that in terms of, right. We have DE and I advisory councils and Hey, let's ask the, mm. you know, the, the lesbian to mm. come talk about educating us on how it feels to be in that category, or let's ask mm. the the black man to come talk about, you know, mm. how it should be different, like putting mm. the responsibility on the, the minority representation. Do you get pushback on that? I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I, I do, but I, I get pushback on that because people are emotionally charged about these kind of uh, mm-hmm. discussions. But if they, if the, when they think, when I break it down, it actually makes sense. But mm-hmm. here's what I say, which a lot of people don't say, but it, I, you know, I think that the minority, right, has as much of a role to play in the dismantling of bias as a majority, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the workplace, workplace bias is different from, yeah, the 100%. out there bias. Right. Yeah. It's different. Right. Um, and they have different resolution. Well, you know, look, if, if I'm a, a female and um, I, 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 I receive kind of uh, um, aggravated assault, misogynistic attack from someone right on the street. Right? There's only a couple of things I can do. I can try and resist and fight the person. Right. Could do that. Right. Or I can report the person maybe to the police or I can. Yeah, I think that's it. Or I can seek legal redress. Or, you know, if, if this is a trend, I could go to my representative and tell them to lobby and get to, to have something done about this. Those are the routes that I can take ex- you know, externally when I'm on the receiving end of some kind of uh, uh, kind of conscious uh, attack. The, mm-hmm. you know, the example there was misogynistic. It could be racial. It could be whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's out there. But in here, which is the workplace. Yeah. There's wider scope. There's a much wider scope because when you sit, first of all, most of the time, it's not conscious bias, right? You know, some people might argue about that, but it's not. But I would say it's not. But, you know, you're not going to get physically attacked in the workplace. And, what, you know, people go, oh, yeah, I heard this story the other day in the news. That's why it's in the news because it doesn't actually happen, right? So it's not. That's not gonna, right. So it, it's um, it, it's not going to happen, right? So there are far greater ways, an ocean of opportunities, uh, uh, dialogue-driven opportunities that you can capitalize on to um, de-escalate or, or, or dismantle any form of bias that you receive. But the problem is all these so-called experts and uh, behavioral scientists, they use the same resolution model that you use to deal with um, uh, kind of racial bias or any other bias out there. That Mm -hmm. is, you have to go to the top. You have to be reliant on things to change at the top. But in the workplace, you can change it. You can say, I don't understand, right? You can go engage in dispassionate developmental inquiry. Mm-hmm. And um, navigate your way out of this kind of problem if you know how. And that's why um, we have to equip people with the skills to do it. So when I get pushback and I break it down like that, um, people yeah. start to understand. Huge distinction between the two. Yeah, exactly. Because really, it's, it's just you're just advocating literally for your professional development opportunities, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's a different, it's a different, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. And, so, and I, I was, I, I, I was today sorry. years old when I thought about those things as different things. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. today. I mean, it's, really? it's, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's such an yeah. easy thing. I love the simplicity of your model. Um, it's just interesting to me. I keep going back to that. Leave your baggage in the lobby. We, we've had so much conditioning on this topic mm. on both sides of, of the equation here and, and putting those bags down is hard, but I love the way that, that your framework is, is so simple. And in this, in the spirit of dispassionate developmental inquiry, you're just, yeah. you're trying to make the situation better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Yeah. How come everybody isn't doing this, my friend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, well, hopefully, yeah. Well, they need to be doing it. That's my mission. You know, every, everybody, everybody's not doing it, right? Because they're subscribed to the guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model. They look as biased as unidirectional, but it's multidirectional. It or, look, whichever, look, you heard my story. Whichever way you slice it, dice it, make it look nice, it, that was my bias. Right. I was yeah. the right? because it's multidirectional. Right. But they don't know. People don't want to accept the multidirectional nature of bias because they don't want to seem unsympathetic to the equality cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the irony is by not accepting the multidirectional. They're perpetuating it. <laughs> they're perpet- Thank you. They're perpetuating and sustaining the status quo. And this is why we have a diversity and exclusion nightmare. Right? Oh. If you looked at those figures, <laughs> there's another one for you, right? It's a nightmare. It's like watching paint dry, right? Like in 2020, right, there were 43 women, right? 43 women CEOs in the Fortune 500. It then went up to 44 in 2021, right? And it's kind of 2022, it took a big jump. And then, you know, now 2023 is 53, right? And people are thinking, oh, that's great, huge. No, it's not. That's ridiculously slow. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's slow, right, is because it's driven by pressure from the top, right? The, the, so it's all the people at the top saying, oh, we better do something. DNI, we've got to do something. So we're going to fast track some people, right? That's great. Don't get me wrong. That's great. But it would you could expedite the pace, right? Expedite the pace of representat- minority representation if you equip the actual people who are big, who are disempowered with the skills to navigate the bias that leads to their underrepresentation. But instead you're saying, no, sit there, you sit on your hands, we're the problem, we'll try and work it out. And, mm. and does that make sense? So IDU is all about empowering people. Oh my mm. gosh. I was wondering too, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about the Fortune 500. Is the representation mm. issue any better on the FTSE? Is it any better in the UK? No. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to be progressive and tell me that it was better. No, 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 no. This is like FTSE 100, zero black CEOs. They they just don't exist, right? The FTSE 250, uh, there's 16 ethnic minority CEOs, right? 16 in the whole of the UK, right? That's a FTSE 250. On the FTSE 100, there's only one. I, don't, I wonder what it is in the states. There's only one company in the in the U in the UK that has women in its three senior roles: CFO, CEO, and chair. Only one company. 
I don't know. What is it in the States? I mean, uh, is there any company that has, like, are there many companies that have women in their three senior roles? No. I, I don't know, but yeah. I have to yeah. think it would be similar proportions, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tiny. And, it's, and, the, and the change is so slow. And the, because the change is, the reason why the change is so slow is because the people who are actually disempowered that aren't getting the opportunity, that are, ha, have no role to play. They just have to wait, which Mm. this is the guilty perpetrator, hapless victim model. So they have to stay as hapless victims and they need to rely on the traditional guilty perpetrator, right? And the traditional guilty perpetrator is just continuously trying to uh, um, interrupt their bias and and, and the minority is supposed to sit there and wait and hope. And that's what happens. This is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous world we live in. Man, I've never thought about 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 shattering it. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way. That's that's fascinating. Um, I want to be mindful of time as we, we're coming up on the top of the hour. I know, I know, I'm fired mm. up, um, and I want to open it up to questions. Um, but before we open it to questions, I just want to make sure that we get this information in in the podcast. Um, look, I, I I could hire you tomorrow for two or three clients that I've got in mind how do we connect with you how do we find you if we want to bring you in and and do some work together okay so a couple of things right so you can go to navigatingbias.com right or go to better go to bookimasaku.com right uh that's the best place to 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 get me and it's got all my contact and everything there but navigatingbias.com is great because there's a little test on there we call it the bias navigation test but never mind, no disrespect to Harvard. You're all going to tell me we went to Harvard, Matt, right? But no disrespect to Harvard. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? State but, school, buddy. State school. Right. Okay, cool, 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 right? So <laughs> Harvard have an implicit association test, right? Okay. Um, I think mine's better, right? So mine's called the bias navigation test because it recognizes that you can't eradicate bias, mm-hmm. right? Just like you can't stop the current, right? right. But you can navigate it. And mm-hmm. it, 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 it it tests to what extent, you know, you're, you're using the right strategies for um, tackling bias. So that's something that, guys, I would encourage everybody listening to do anyway. But obviously to contact me, uh, bookimasaku.com. Right on. I love it. Bookimasaku.com, navigatingbias.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I, I do want to open it to questions. You know, I always say Ruby's always got questions because she's been taking copious notes and I've been watching her. Um, and I know Lori's got another question too. So I want to leave time for that. So questions go. Mine's more a comment because you hit on it, seeking to understand before being understood, yeah. backing up the truck, as we say, and going, okay, wait a second. We need to ask some questions and as coaches, you know, get those open-ended questions going, which is so powerful. I love that. Mm. Um, and also, you know, finding out about that person, wh- whatever the situation is, a good friend of mine, I work with her a lot. She is, she looks like me, Northern European Caucasian. And, <laughs> you know, when there were a lot of race issues going on a few years ago, just very contentious, she made a comment about something. I don't know what it was. And uh, a person, Brown face, black face, I don't know what it was. It was a minority yeah. and came back and attacked her really hard just on something very wow. innocuous. And she said, may I show you a photo? And the person looked, at, I, knew, I knew where she was going with it. She pulled up a photo of mm. her family. 
Her husband is from Jamaica and she has five beautiful children. Mm-hmm. And he said, now, would you like to rephrase your statement? I mean, she went back to <laughs> cool. She handled it beautifully. It was a very contentious situation. And fortunately, that person said they apologized. They said, I'm sorry. Um, OK, so you do have an understanding of what I'm talking about. She goes, yes, I do. <laughs> and she says, my kids face it. You know, my husband faces that. Yeah, you look at me and you make some assumptions. And I think that's where people we make assumptions. We look at the yeah. the book cover instead of checking out the book. And it's so important to understand that. And when I speak to women's groups in particular, my tagline is from foster care to first lady to fly girl. And people go, What? I said, doesn't that give you a little bit of insight into my 60 year trek? has not been easy. And it was like this. And you know what? Mm. We've all walked in tough shoes. And to assume that somebody has had it way better than you for any reason is not okay. Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I agree. Ruby, what you got? Uh, <laughs> I think mostly <laughs> comments. Eric's right. I'm writing all these things down because that's how I soak yeah. it in. Um one thing that struck me when you were talking about the guilty perpetrator is that it leads to mm. this um, perspective of guilt too, which sometimes mm. I can actually overcorrect. Oh yeah. And, and sometimes I'm like, okay, Ruby, just fucking be normal, you know. <laughs> but it's just like it's just like wanting to to fix it or to let people know I really love them. Like I love that, you know what I mean. So it's like yeah. I've I've got to like clean that out of the way too, yeah. and just be fucking normal. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one thing uh, else, I, I I think I just have a bunch of comments, and I'll go quick. But um, uh, in in coaching, when I'm coaching someone and they come into this conversation, or like this thing happened, and you know this was terrible, and they just go on and on for five minutes and I'll ask them, well, what do you like really, really, really know is true? Mm-hmm. What's the, what do you really like know is a fact? Yeah. And they can come back with like one sentence, right? Mm-hmm. I observed this facial expression in this meeting or mm-hmm. the word, I'm like, read me that email. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just, so it's really aligned with what you're talking about as being really curious and, um, and just kind of backing it up a little bit. And, yeah. and the other thing I care about a lot is deep presence. It's like the thing that I am always talking about self-care and deep presence. And when I think about deep presence, it's curiosity and yeah. it's also being here right now, mm-hmm. not my fears or not the stories and the baggage. So it, a lot of things that you've said have really resonated with me. So thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I, I could keep this conversation going all afternoon, but it but is getting on midnight in night. the UK. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Bookie, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank the you. book is called I don't understand navigating unconscious bias in the workplace. Um, I, I don't know. I can already smell it. I think we're going to have to have a round two. What do you guys think? Round two? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Do it from the manager's perspective. Yeah. yeah, Right. Thank you so much for being here. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed missing my sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you can go get yourself some nice, nice herbal tea and wind down. And I will hop on into bed. Thank you so much for being here. We will look to booking a second conversation with you here in the coming months. Thanks again. And okay. uh, we'll get on into our end of show thing, but we'll respect okay. your bedtime and let you get to it. Thanks, Bookie. Okay. All love, guys. Look forward to talking again. Yes. Later. Thank you. Take care. Right. Nice. Okay. Bye. Bye. Good night. All right. Funny All things, right. good feels, and our silly little cocktail. As Bookie looks for the exit button, he's like, how do I get out of here? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You called it, right? You called me out. You said I called me. I can't find it. I can't find it. Can you get me out? I can. I think we can. Yes. Yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. get you out. <laughs> Take it easy, Boogie. Have a good night. Hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, that was awesome. I love that guy. Yes. <laughs> All right. F- funny thing number one. Shit joke for my stand-up stand-up act. I was almost embarrassed to say, but I always got tons of laughs. I'm so unfamiliar with the gym. I should really call it what, Ruby? The James. The James. <laughs> That's good. Awesome. That one was for Ruby. His name <laughs> funny is thing, James. <laughs> funny thing number two. I'll never buy an electric guitar. Only gas guitars for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy Buffett's career spans over 50 decades. Rip to Jimmy Buffett, who died at the age of 523. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. This one I love. This is the Billy D. Williams Wikipedia entry, and it says, what the fuck? Billy D. Williams, his name, William December Williams Jr. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I never knew that. Oh, funny thing. Number whatever this is. What does all the way through mean? What does it mean? A flight from from Atlanta to Barcelona was forced to turn around after a passenger had diarrhea all the way through the plane. Yeah. This is a biohazard issue, the pilot said. (laughs) Gross. Gross. Big time gross. Yeah. Uh, hot days like this are perfect for refreshing Italian boba tea. Oh, gross. <laughs> gross. Mozzarella pearls. Mm. Do you want some marinara over that or what? <laughs> Bloody Mary mix. <laughs> oh, all right. Today's good feel story. This is a good one. I think you'll like it. Finally tonight, the story of a man on a never-ending mission of kindness and how it's changing it lives. Up. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. At the bottom of a hole in Chesterfield County, Virginia, utility worker Calvin Gaudet is fixing a leaky water main. But no gusher down here compares to the fountain of good deeds he delivers up there. Whether it's buying coffee yeah, for the next car, take care of people that behind me, or groceries for a random shopper, I'm gonna pay for this. Calvin gives away about half his income 
to total strangers. I'm going to fill your truck up for you. In return, he may get a thank you. At best. But he remains undaunted. You don't never know. You could do something for somebody or talk to someone and you could change the whole situation. He says it happened once. You can come around. Thank you. A few months ago, Calvin was in this Burger King drive-thru when he happened to look in his rearview mirror and saw a woman who just seemed sad. So Calvin did what Calvin does, bought her meal. Only this time, his random act of kindness would not soon be forgotten. Somebody to do something that nice for you on that very moment when I thought nothing could make me happy again. It just touched my heart. This is Andy. Denise Walters had just lost her husband of 41 years. I just wish she was still here. And says Calvin's kindness was exactly what she needed at exactly the right time. In fact, it had such a profound effect, she chased him down, told his boss, and got him recognized before the County Board of Supervisors. He saw that I was upset and showed compassion to a complete stranger. Hey, no. Since then, they have stayed in touch and grown their circle. Nice to meet you. I'm Chris. Nice to meet you, Chris. I told you, you may have lost your husband, but you gained a family. He's just an amazing man. Just an amazing man. He's also her new role model. I want you to have this. Denise is now doing the same thing. <laughs> he has shown me the way. So you feel like you're on a mission now? Oh, absolutely. Mm. If he can do this, I can do this. Okay. And maybe. Can I have a hug? We can do this. Can go spread that joy somewhere, okay? Steve Hartman. Thank you. On the road <laughs> in Chesterfield County, Virginia. It was a good one, right? That's mm -hmm. so pretty. Love it. Pay it forward. I mm -hmm. love it. I love it. I I picked that out. I was sitting in a bar last night putting this deck together and I couldn't even hear it. I could only read the captions and I cried in the bar. So <laughs> today's semi-quarantine cocktail. I'm staying in the bear lane, everybody, because it's just a thing to do. This is called Bear Hang. It's a riff on a cocktail called the Polar Bear. Um, and I'm gonna hang in this lane as long as I can. You're going to need a little bit of Mezcal. One house in Steamboat, Colorado. The owners were away. A little bit of Blanc Vermouth. A hungry bear with burglar skills. Some cream de menthe. He broke in, ate some pork chops, and then couldn't find his way out. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see from the photo here. That's not the way he came in, but that's the way he tried to get out. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> you'll need some celery bitters i don't see anything polar about this cocktail but it was bear themed and that's all i needed and as as always everyone was okay <laughs> awesome thank you all for being here today thanks to bookie misaku for being here that was a fantastic mm -hmm. conversation i loved it hopefully you did too we will see you next week next week not next week the week after next we'll see you the week after next next week Lori and i are on the road um so week after next we'll see you guys then thank you for being here today take care have good nights and enjoy your dinner thank you so much for joining us today if you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. 
Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender. <laughs>